So now your mic's on. Oh, all right, cool. Um, so while Brian's working with the audio thing to get us all turned back on, um, I'm going to welcome Joe. Well, I can't welcome Joe because Joe doesn't have a working mic. But he's here to talk with us about his upcoming six-part AMC documentary titled The Last Independent Automaker. Um, there are very few, actually not even very few. There's literally no one else on earth that I would want making or telling the AMC story but you because you've probably forgotten more about AMC than I'll ever know because you were the one that I went to to proofread my RCR story script about it and just like, hey, you know a lot of AMC stuff. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong. Just the blah. Yeah, so, well, first off, that's a very flattering introduction, so thank you, Nate. Um, yeah, I, and uh, to, I, I'm not trying to be falsely modest here, but there are definitely people out there who know way more about AMC. Uh, they just don't make YouTube videos. Uh, I'm headed in a few months to Kenosha for a giant, or I'm sorry, in a few days to Kenosha, Wisconsin for a giant AMC show. And I mean, some of the people you meet there, oh my gosh, these guys are geniuses. Oh, uh, Brian, it says your mic isn't on. The one that Joe's using. Now? Howdy. Hello. Howdy. We'll get it figured out. Well, it, it'll come together, you know. No, it's like literally I need another microphone. We're just we're weird things up. Okay, so can you hear me now, everybody? Can we hear Joe? Let, can we hear Nick? Can the chat tell us? Um, yeah. Oh, well, to answer Car Foolery's question, no, unfortunately, we did not ever get to film a review with my Kia Rio. Uh, it's clutch burned out before we ever got the chance and yeah it's just unfortunate all around but i don't know maybe sometime in the future someone will offer us a kia rio and it'll be great because um although not um let's see oh oops. <laughs> he threw the mic oh oh all right sorry um yeah, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to film it. But ultimately, you know, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up pretty soon that I'm really excited for you guys to get to be able to watch. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. We'll see. Can we can we hear each other now? Can you guys hear me? I think he's got I unmuted. You are on pot two. Uh, okay. Yeah. Dominic so says now. yes. Okay, thank you. Also, Dominic says he has a 1979 Spirit AMX, which yes, I do appreciate. That is so dope. Those are those are so so awesome. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, it's funny. I delete the footage that I use for every RCR stories to free up room on my hard drive, but I didn't for the AMC one, just because I like. uh, It's nice to be able to know that I can see what those things are doing in motion anytime. Mm you know, without yeah. having to necessarily go back and watch my video and hear my voice. Not that I have a problem with it. It's just, I don't know. It's very weird to me. No. Yeah. Once you make a video, I don't know how often you guys do, but I don't tend to go back and watch something I made. No. no. Unless it's... I forget what I said, or if like somebody comments on something like five years later and the video shows up, like yeah. such and such comment. I was like, who's watching this? Yeah. yeah. I, w- I wish I were cool enough to be vain, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is just now. Sometimes I'll go back and watch. I'm like, I can't believe I said that. That's yeah. so stupid. Why did I say that? <laughs> right. So let's reset intros. So welcome to RCR Podcast number 106, the last independent automaker. I'm Nick. I'm Joe Ligo. And I'm Brian. You so, remember Joe Ligo from Auto Moments, and he was also a producer on Auto Week, the real Auto Week. Motor Week. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Who's Auto Week? 
I think they're another magazine or show. I don't know. Was that Blake Wrong? Blake Wrong? He worked at the Peterson Museum and he worked for mm. someone else and everybody like was. tangentially works for Drive now or The Drive. I uh, think he did. But um, yes, but yes, Motor Week is the PBS show that everyone knows and loves filmed in Owings Mills, Maryland with John Davis. Yes. So come drive with us next. Yeah. I love how they put all the old stuff on there from like the 80s that they're that posting those. Those those are cool. That is that was one of my favorite things when I worked there for like three and a half years. I helped the guy who was like digging the old tapes out of the library and, and recording the, the retro reviews and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'd be like digging up uh, stuff in these ancient videotapes. They're all corroded and like wouldn't play and would get stuck in the machines. I'm like, no, you don't understand. We have to save this tape. It has like the first Mazda Miata test. Yeah, on yeah, it. yeah. You know, and so we, we actually would put them in a food dehydrator to dry really? out the like because it would get microscopic like condensation on the tape and then it would get sticky and it wouldn't play mm. in the machine so we put them in a food dehydrator to dry them out and then usually that worked damn but, oh and quick correction it's podcast number 109 not 106 okay i'm, I'm very anal about that so 109 <laughs> 109 i i misspeak all the time so Ugh. so but we're all set hot yes I don't want to become an old guy that just talks about the weather and it's just it's like uh so what it's summer it's hot that's what it is that's what happened. It's just, I want to open a window, but I don't know if that's going to be better or worse. Mm. Well, like it, it, yesterday, my uh, air conditioning went down right as I got a notification that a heat wave was in, or warning was in effect, or heat yeah. warning. So, like, I, we had to call in the maintenance guy, and then it was this whole, like, four-hour process mm -hmm. to get it back up and running again, and then another hour after that for everything to go back to normal, which, mm -hmm. okay, first world problems. I'm complaining about something. Oh, boo-hoo, you had to go a few hours with just using the fan. But just using the fan alone was brutal in mm -hmm. itself, and I can't even, like, my heart goes out to people who don't even have that much. I'm really hoping they're, like, getting to a pool or a freaking stream yeah. or something. Go down to ridiculous. a basement somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Currently, at home, I'm literally just sitting around um, after I do my writing for the day and like RCR related stuff. Um, I play Power Wash Simulator, or, or <laughs> and so it is very relaxing. That sounds um, amazing. Or, or rather, I watch my girlfriend play Power Wash Simulator. Uh, we kind of like trade off on things, but it's kind of it's super relaxing. And now I want to try Car Mechanic Simulator because mm. that one um, seems like it would be very much. Um, an edifying process for me. And I'm really getting into all these simulator games, like, you know, house flipper, like freaking. um, I haven't tried farming simulator yet, but I kind of want to. <laughs> um, I hear that they're coming out with a sequel to my summer car called my winter car, mm. which sounds like it could be really good. So yeah, rock and roll. Tried playing my summer car. And eventually I'm like, this is too accurate. This is, just, <laughs> this is, I don't know how anything goes together. And it's not like, working on modern stuff you can just read a manual you you it's one of these games that you have to go through youtube tutorials like you're working on your own car how this thing fits in this thing because the game just like doesn't tell you work on cars all day to then go play a video game, game where you work on, on cars. cars yeah well that was kind of my struggle with automation which i really did enjoy don't get me wrong it's just i it was way above my level of comprehension yeah i think i i always thought it would be cool not to bring up the motor week thing again but when i worked there i always thought it'd be cool if they made like an open world motor week video game where you just like walk around as john davis and test different <laughs> cars huh like, it's just like oh no you're in the middle of owings mills maryland you need to walk back to the stations you can drive the new ram 1500 or right like, i don't know 
It's like auto journalist simulator. <laughs> what is how many shrimp can you eat? What is Owings Mills? Is it a real community? Is it a, like a bedroom community? Is it like Culver City or like the city yeah. of industry, California? So Owings Mills is, you know, the, the beltway goes around Baltimore. Yeah. It's a stop on the beltway. And okay. back in the 80s and 70s, it was literally nothing. Like you watch the old Motor Week road test. They're like the station, the TV station was in the, on a hill in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it is just built up into like, suburban purgatory okay so i mean you know four lane strodes with turning lanes every which way and you know gas stations and stores and mm -hmm. chain restaurants and best buys with parking lots that aren't big enough and um you know it's it's a i i'm assuming most of the people there are working in baltimore or something but mm -hmm. i mean it seems to be a fairly wealthy area but then you know it's connected to areas that aren't but i'm mm. not a native marylander so I'm from Pennsylvania, so I'm not super familiar with it other than like my commuting. I know my biggest complaint with Owings Mills was that for how busy the area is, there's not an easy way to get there from 83. Mm. And whenever it storms, all the roads out of town get flooded or get tree branches on them. Oh, Like one time I was literally stuck in Owings Mills and could not get out of that dang town to get home. <laughs> it's like stormed. I was like, okay, that road's blocked. Okay, that road's blocked. Did you have to commute down there every day? Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It wasn't um thankfully I kind of knew a back way. So like, you know, if you take go through rural Maryland, it's a pretty drive. Mm, okay. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Um it was better than driving all the way into Baltimore or something like that. Yeah. You know? Cuz I could actually get there without taking the beltway if I took the back way. So that was nice. Yeah, I can't remember like I go out of my way to not go near Baltimore. Like I like the other way. There's that eight it's not 83. You go even farther. You swing around. Or am I thinking of the way to get to Richmond? There's another way to swing around where you don't go. Yeah. You don't, like, you don't like deal with Baltimore fair. and you don't deal with D.C. Yeah, there's go, bypasses and stuff. You know? yeah. yeah. You end up in Fairfax, I want to say. I think that's yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, you're adding like 45 minutes to your trip, but also you're just driving on. Yeah, I think it is. No, it's 81. You stay mm. on 81. And it goes, meow. Uh, uh, Maryland. Yeah. Maryland. Yeah. It's very so, much. It's in the game. And it's funny. That like you can't, you can't see in the studio, like the studio slash my living room. There is a tiny poster <laughs> to my right that just says Maryland. Is that, that looks like Annapolis probably. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Probably. Oh, it's yeah. like. That's like, oh, let's go to Maryland, like the nice thing. We'll go out by the water. Slightly get collegiate, some, mm -hmm. slightly nautical. Yeah. Get some, get some crabs with Old Bay. Yeah, yeah. Do the thing. Yeah. Go to it's the like, place. You're like, maybe on like, we'll, we'll go to the Inner Harbor like on a Wednesday at like... 10 30 in the morning we'll go to the aquarium and like stop leave. by federal hill yeah yeah and then that's it yeah out is oh we gotta it's like just like that simpsons episode you gotta leave baltimore before dark <laughs> or we've got to beat rush hour so it's like there's a lot of that there's like literally rush hour starts at like 2 30 yeah because Ooh. everybody is trying to beat rush hour which yeah. just makes rush hour last from 2 30 to 6 yeah <laughs> i'll hide anyone in <laughs> yeah so it's like 10, 10 30 to 12 30 is like the time to go to the inner harbor <laughs> 
no, it's uh, but I actually am not super familiar with Maryland. I, I grew up in the Pennsylvania, but in mm-hmm. Western Pennsylvania. So Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Was the thing everybody, you know, people would go to Pittsburgh for everything. That mm. was the, that was, if there was a big event going on, you were going down to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and uh, going to the Console Energy Center or going <laughs> to uh, the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. That's where they'd have the furry convention would come to town. Oh, yeah. David L. Lawrence. That's a really nice convention center. Anything, when I was in high school, anytime there was an event, it was you're going to David Lawrence because that was like, that that's was it. The place. Really, that's yeah. the place. Yeah. And Pittsburgh's tight. It's a tight city. It's terrible to drive, terrible to do anything. It's great if you have a bicycle and everything else. Tiny, tiny downtown, a way smaller city than you think it is. Well, it's bizarrely laid out. It's it's so, there's no method to the madness other than like build as much as you can on hills, yeah. and streams and tunnels. <laughs> yeah, Nick's heard this story, but when I was, uh, I went to see the Slackers in uh, Millvale, which is a ska band. And uh, uh, it was... Uh, it was either Glenn Pine or Vic Ruggiero says, we're, we're so glad to be here in Pittsburgh, something, something. And then someone in the audience yells, I crossed three bridges to get here. And then Tim Strickler was with us and he says, how are you even alive? And then there was like a knowing Pittsburgh laugh and like, I guess the guys in the van didn't get it, but it is. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's one bridge and I'm not super familiar. There, with, uh, yeah. Right. There's one bridge where there's like, it's a, like 500 feet. And there's like four exits. Yeah, yeah. And you got to make up your mind and get to that lane in time. Yeah. Or else you just, you're, it's like, okay, well, I get to drive around the city a second time. That yeah. your GPS adds 40 minutes. Yeah. You know? And you're just like, ah. Yeah. Pit- Pittsburgh is, Pittsburgh makes you feel, if you, if you didn't grow up with GPS, <laughs> having GPS will make you feel like you don't. It, yeah. it's, things happen so fast. And the consequences of a wrong turn in Pittsburgh are immediate and, and painful. Yeah. And pain. It's and, funny. It's funny. You mentioned Millvale, uh, the PBS station there. They made a documentary called the joys of Millvale. <laughs> and it is like the most whimsical, fun little, I think it's on YouTube. It's like the most whimsical, fun little thing. And, and the guy who produced it, his name's Rick Seaback. And I've never met him. I really want to. But one time I was visiting in college, I visited WQED, which is a PBS station. I asked, is Rick Seaback here? And the lady said, oh, no, sorry. He's in Maine right now filming a documentary about pie. <laughs> and I was like, talk about a dream job. Yeah. <laughs> That's like some Howard, Hugh- Howard, uh, oh, what's his name? What? Hewell Hauser. Hewell Hauser, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I believe the late Hewell Hauser. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Uh, is Pittsburgh worse than Boston, though? Genuinely curious as a non-Yinzer. I, uh, I can't no, speak No, Boston, Boston's worse. Because um, Boston is even older than Pittsburgh. Right. So, so yeah. it's, got, it's designed for, like, horses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that Pittsburgh isn't. But, yeah, it's like Boston, you don't even mess with it. Like, <laughs> I was there once in a car, and it's like, you... you like people are aware you the, the thing about okay New York City people know you don't drive in New York City, um, and by that I mean Manhattan. Yes, but Bo- uh, Boston they just think oh old town Boston is like nah Boston's worse, because mm-hmm. um, New York's Manhattan is a grid work of streets. If you make a wrong turn, who cares? Right, you you go around to get to the next square. Yeah. Whereas Boston, you know, that's like a European style city where the 
the roads are all curved and they're bendy and they're windy and there's no alleyways, <laughs> even though New York City doesn't have alleyways, but or excuse me, Manhattan doesn't. So, so you guys have traveled more than me. What's a city when you think of cities that you think like, huh, this city actually doesn't suck to like get around Houston, even though people are like, oh, Houston is here. Houston was made for cars. So even though, yeah, the traffic jams are real and you can drive for two hours and you're still in Houston, it's just a size thing. Houston's not that bad. Um, you will move uh, in Houston. What's another place? It's all right. Um, mm -hmm. oh, I was going to say Chicago and I forgot about the huge jam that we got into. Yeah, that. Chicago's a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I think it's funny how like I'd say like Philly, but I know my way. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not it's judging on a curve. Almost. Like uh, Philly is a place where sometimes you have to run a red light intentionally, you know, because um, some shit's going down. <laughs> you Garner, move. North Carolina, I want to say when we were doing the Southern Stab and we were like mm -hmm. getting to the point where we're just like, oh, we just want to eat something. Let's go. And then uh, we came around Garner which I want to say is like the Raleigh Durham area. And we're expecting huge jams and they just weren't. Huh? Okay. Or at least that, that's how was I that remember. Was that when we saw that guy get hit by a car? No, that was Fairfax. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then it's like, we shall never discuss this again as we discuss this again. Yeah. But it's something that uh, was a remarkably uncomfortable moment. And we just wanted to get back to the hotel and not think about it. Yeah. Yeah. We were just like, it, it was like how we were leaving the bar the one time after Ronda Rousey's first loss. Yeah. Like we went there and everybody was so amped up to see her yeah. like beat Holly home. And then 30 seconds into the fight, it's like, it's over. Yeah. It's yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. She's not, in fact, as she's walking out, she looked like she'd rather be anywhere else in the world. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then we just drove home the entire mm -hmm. way in silence. Yeah. <laughs> Complete silence. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, people saying Portland, uh, I guess. I mean, Portland had his traffic jams, but that was, I can't remember driving in the town, city of Portland. It was always around the airport and not downtown. And even when we were in Portland last, um, Frederick Knudsen from down the rabbit hole was doing all the driving. So, True. Yeah. Um, what about Toronto? How was the, how was it there? Not bad. Cor uh, Canadian no, was, transit. Uh, not bad. Actually. Yeah. Toronto was all right. Yeah. I all think, right. I think it's funny how like going back to the GPS thing, you'll GPS something in Pennsylvania and like, it'll be like, take the turnpike. It adds 50 extra miles, but you save five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take no highways and it's 50 fewer miles. It takes the same amount of time. Yep. Yep. And yep. you're like, <sighs> yep. <laughs> it's like, I'm now, I'm, I'm taking now, route 30. <laughs> yeah. I'm now doing the shorter distance, longer time thing because now I'm thinking with e in EV terms, because it's not hardly using any electricity when it stopped. So even if I'm putzing along like at 38 miles an hour, through tiny Pennsylvania towns, like, oh, wait, that's low wind resistance. And I'm descending a bunch of hills. I'm making power and the motor isn't working very hard. This is all right. Because right, it's, it's fewer miles and half those miles are downhill. Yeah. Yeah. It's very and nice. then you go back up the hill and you burn oh, it all. Yeah. But that's the, that's half the fun of an EV. So, yes, uh, EV's doing fine. I did talk to the electrician. Uh, he doesn't have a time yet. He's got to come out and figure out how he's going to wire up stuff in this old house. But uh, eventually, I'll have uh, 220 out in the garage. That's awesome. Mm, you want to drive the Niro after this? I would love that. Okay. So I, I drove one in Motor Week a long time ago, and I thought I was like, 
Kia's on to something here. Mm. They've, they've got a nice little You, you drove out, you had an Niro EV on MotorWeek? We had all three at some point. So we had a long-term regular a hybrid Nero, and then okay. we had a long-term plug-in hybrid Nero, and then we had a like two-week test with a full EV. And I thought all three of them, they mm. really have, I mean, it's, it's, it's an car, like mm-hmm. you said, but I think they're really onto something with that. It's like, does what it's supposed to do. It's easy to use, laid out, comfortable. I mean, I drove from, you know, Maryland to Wisconsin in mm-hmm. a Nero and it was great. Now, granted, it was a loaded one that had like ventilated seats and stuff. Hell yeah. But was that the plug-in or the mild hybrid? That was the regular, just regular hybrid. Yeah. And I got oh. like got like 42 miles per gallon. All right, yeah. And so I'm sure the EV one has all the stuff that the the hybrid one, you know, the seats well, I, I don't have the ventilated seats. Oh, I don't oh. have that option. I got heated seats, not ventilated seats. I have a heated heated steering wheel, which is my first ever thing with the heated steering wheel. And I'm looking forward to that because honestly, nice. I think I would rather have a heated wheel than a heated seat because in the winter time, I have those thermal pants that I bought. So my legs are always warm. Yeah. But the, uh, my hands are all, my hands get cold quick. And something about the idea of a heated steering wheel, I was like, because I'm always aiming the vents at my hands uh, in the winter time. Like thinking about like when we film in the dead of winter, my hands just never yeah. get warm. Yeah. Even with the little packets that you insert in the gloves. Well, oh, yeah. And the thing you do, if I guess you want to save battery, you, you use the heated wheel and the heated seat, and then you don't have to run the cabin heater. Mm. Or you run it less. So, you know, you keep the cabin at like 60, but you have your wheel and your seat on. And that's actually supposedly, I mean, there's people on forums who can do this to the nth degree, but supposedly you'll you'll get more range. Yeah. If you're not heating the cabin to 72 degrees and you're just heating the seat in the wheel. You know what? Fuck that. Like <laughs> by that time I'll have my 220. And in the wintertime, I'm not hauling hikers. We're not going very far. You're right. Yeah. I, that's like, true. Fuck yeah. it. Just, just do that. What, what, what are you? It's like these high, it's like do you want to live, do you want to live in misery all the time? <laughs> but then you get to tell people about how miserable you are. That's that's you yeah. get those points, man. There, there is now, a granted, company. I am driving that car around hardly ever using the AC. Um, because I notice my range really dips when you hit that compression. Well, dips by in terms of like 15, it cost me 15 miles of range turn turning the AC on. Um and but probably once I get like filling that thing up, I think we talked about this before, but filling it up on uh, Pennsylvania, or at least this part is selling electricity at 13 cents a kilowatt. Um, you or your phone, uh, uh, 13 cents times 64 kilowatts. Give me one sec. What, eight, $8.32 eight to fill it up? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, and that gets me 270 miles if I don't turn the AC on. Oh wow! If I do turn the AC on, then it's the advertised 250 mile range. So that's probably what I say, 250, which is about the mileage, a little bit less than the mileage that my Forerunner gets because that thing drinks. (laughs) And uh, and I really feel like when when I drive the the third gen, that that's a lot of mass slowing down on a hill. And before I would just ride the brakes or shift into second on like some steep hills. And now I'm like thinking about all the energy I'm just turning into heat, breaking down these hills. 
Whereas in the, ne ne in the Nero, I just want to say Nero. Why is it called Nairo? I always thought it was Nero. Nero, yeah. That's how, that's how we said it on TV. Nero, really? We're driving the Kia Nero, Nero. this week. <laughs> it's a good John Davis. Um, uh, we get charged up about Hyundai's oh. latest battery electric. <laughs> Does John Davis write his own copy? Uh, he So every script goes through his desk but there's writers for different segments. Like there's a guy who produces the road test. So he'll make a script and then JD will, that's what they call him. JD will go through it and make changes. Mm. But then that way he doesn't have to like Google every single horsepower number and like, search right. Yeah. But every, everything that he does VO for, he will read through and tweak words here mm -hmm. and there and that kind of thing. And if it's something where he went on the press trip, then yeah, he'll, he'll write his own stuff. Gotcha. But, um, <laughs> there was, I won't give away the guy's name, but there was one guy who wrote for us at one point that one of the other writers was complaining about. He's like, man, every time this guy writes scripts, we're always slipping and sliding into everything. We're slipping into BMWs. We're sliding into Mercedes. He's like, why can't we just say we drive? So the person loved using like the, the metaphor slip. He's like, we slip into the new Mercedes or we slide in behind the wheel of this new Kia. And so every script always had a slip or a slide in it. And the other writer didn't like that. He's like, I don't get it. We're slipping and sliding. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like this. So, what is the average age of a motor week employee or motor? Yeah. Motor uh, week. There's actually a pretty wide range because, you know, they have the kind of the, the road test producers and assistant producers are closer to like our age, mm -hmm. you know, 20s, 30s. Um, and then you have some of the, but the, those positions tend to like, you know, they'll find something, they'll get hired in another show at the station or they'll get promoted onto another thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of the old guard of like the lifetimers who've been there. I mean, JD has been there since 81, you know, and then the other guys have, you know, one guy started in 88 and now he's an executive producer and one guy started in like 95 and he's an executive producer. I wonder if so. I know, wait, the same station that did motor week also did Wall Street Week in Review. Yes. So Fuck. did any of those people met Louis Rukeyser? Yes. So John Davis, how he got to Motor Week, we're doing a real deep dive here. Hell yeah. John Davis uh, actually got, he got a bachelor's in engineering and a master's in, uh, I forget, maybe it was like some sort of financial degree. Yeah. But anyways, he was working on Wall, the Wall Street in New York as a transportation analyst. And one day he saw an ad in the newspaper that said, looking for somebody with Wall Street experience to produce a television show in Maryland. Huh. And so he came to MPT in like 1972 or something as a producer on Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser. Fuck off. So he was a producer for Wall Street Week for like 10 years. And then there was some discussion where, you know, somebody said, hey, we're looking for new show ideas, you know, submit your ideas to the office. We'll go in. So John said, why don't we do a car show? He's like, I like, he owned at the time he owned a, a DiTomaso Pantera. Hell wow. yeah. So respect the time, for the guy goes up. He owned, he owned Mustangs and Corvettes to DiTomaso and stuff. And so John submits this idea for a car show. They go back and forth. They shoot a pilot. It sits on a shelf for a couple years. And then word got out that another PBS station was going to do a car show. And his boss was like, John, how quick can you get this on the air? You know? And so they went out and they shot a pilot. They shot the, the real first episode because the pilot never broadcast, but they shot the real first episode and uh, the rest is history. Wow. And he, he still worked part-time on wall street week up into the, like the two thousands, I think. Before Rukeyser left. Yeah. yeah before Rukeyser left. Cause they but wanted was, to jazz up the, uh, the show for wall street week. 
And Louis Ruger was like, we're not doing like this is a just a factual show about investing and market trends. And that's it. We're, yeah, we're not there's... we're not doing Kramer mad money shit here. Yes. So there's a lot. I mean, people at MPT, there's a lot of lifers there, people who really love working there and who are really loyal to the place. And I mean, they still talk like when you bring up Wall Street Week, people still talking like whispers. They're like, oh, remember when Brookheiser left? Oh, I can't believe. Like, it's still, it's still a big deal to that. That show was their anchor for yeah. a long time, and um, yeah, there was something to do. I don't know the full story, so you know, don't. I don't want. I just say got it from Wikipedia. Bad. It's I, that- yeah. I don't want to say anything wrong, but basically, yeah, Rookheiser, a producer, kind of met with him and said, like, hey, you know, ratings are down. We want to add some new talent to the show. We want you to still be the host, but we want to bring in some younger talent as reporters and feature segments and stuff. And I guess Rukeyser wasn't a fan of that. Mm -hmm. And basically, I don't know if the producer kind of told him like, Hey, tough luck, but Rukeyser went live on TV and said he was quitting live on air. Like everybody in the control room was like, oh wow <laughs> he was like well i guess they don't want me here anymore so i mean you can find the clip on youtube i'm not gonna yeah. read it but yeah but i mean so but the nice thing is that maryland public television survived that and they still have john davis and motor week yeah which is what we're we're all uh happy about yeah. but no it's a it's a cool place which um sorry there's no way to make this transition less awkward but i was gonna say the documentary that I'm working on, I'm actually working with MPT to distribute it once it's completed. Right. Because I worked there and now I don't, but I'm still friends with people there. And they gave me a lot of mentorship and guidance on like, if you want to do a documentary and have it be on public television, here's kind of our playbook. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you know, I presented our, my trailer to them and a budget and a plan and a treatment and all this stuff. And, you know, their acquisitions department took a look at it and said, we think we can make this work, man. I wish I could get a break from uh, regular cars and just go with you on the road so I can just get more experience and just be like, I don't know, whatever my skill set is, put me to work doing something. Well, uh, which is probably behind the camera. Like, well, I can pull focus. I know how to do that. You probably got everybody you need by then. I feel like, I'm constantly surrounded by people who are smarter than me. Mm. This entire project, I there's people, like I said earlier, when the, the mics weren't working, there's so many people who know more about AMC than I do. Mm. Like down to what cylinder head was available for half the year on what engine block and what guy designed what car, uh-huh. you know, and like, well, you know, Dick Teague was head of styling, but that was actually Chuck Mashigan through the design, <laughs> you know, because every, anytime you read an article about AMC, it always says, well, Dick Teague was in charge of styling. It's like, well, yes, but Bob Nixon actually designed, you know, the bodywork for the Jeep XJ or, you know, uh, Chuck Mashigan did the original AMX or like that kind of thing. It's like Teague oversaw it, but there were other people under him. And I, you know, I, I know people who met those people and interviewed them. I, a lot of these guys are gone, sadly, but I, there's guys in the AMC community who knew the people who actually drew the original mock-ups for cars and stuff Shit. like that. And like, that's, that's really cool to, to know people. And I feel like that you're able to do that with AMC that you couldn't do that with like Ford or GM because AMC was a small enough company that you could actually meet the person who penned Mm. the original amx mm. you know versus like ford you know it's a you know they probably had like five thousand people in their styling department you know mm-hmm. it's not like amc where you could list them all by name mm. you know so so there's one guy uh in his 80s he started at amc in 1959 
Yeah. He was like 23. He started their styling department in 1959 and he worked there until Chrysler bought them and retired in the 90s. But he worked at AMC basically almost the entire time the company existed. From the company existed from 54 to 87. And was it a was it an amalgamation of other companies in the in the yes. 50 something? Yeah. Yes. So in the late, basically post-World War II, uh, and um, if I go too into the weeds here, please no, it's cool. please alert me. But post-World War II, uh, the head of Nash Kelvinator, George Mason, yep. basically said we need to merge before the market turns against us. He's like, the war's over. We're selling every car we can. Things are good. He's like, but it's not going to stay good. So he goes, you know, he goes to the middle school dance and nobody wants to dance with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, he winds up, he approached Packard and he Packard, approached yes. Hudson. There was some talk that Studebaker was in on it, but he kind of ruled them out early. He was yeah. like, Studebakers, they're in Indiana. They're doing their own thing. They're kind of strange. We don't want to be friends with them. But uh, Hudson and Packard were his two big ones he was looking at, but the head of Packard was a real dingus and was like, <laughs> yeah. well, I'll only merge with you if I can be president. And Mason's yeah, like, he wanted to like jump the line. Right, Mason's basically. like, bro, I'm the one with all the money. Like, you know? Yeah, you're not the one calling shots here. And then tragedy strikes. Right, then Henry Ford II decides that he will outsell Chevrolet or die trying, and the entire U.S. car market just caves in on itself because they were literally delivering more cars to dealerships than dealers could sell. And so dealers were marking down Fords and Chevy so much that like, why would you buy anything else? It'd be mm -hmm. like, it'd be like if Toyota and Honda got into a sales war and a RAV4 was like eight grand less. Yeah. Than a yeah. Ford Escape. Like yeah. why would you even consider buying something else? Yeah. And so that decimated Hudson Nash, Studebaker, Packard. And well, and that was in the forties or fifties? Early fifties. Yeah. And so okay. by 54 ish, 53, 54. So by 54, Hudson and Nash were partnered up. Studebaker and Packard partnered, partnered up and they kind of each went their own way. And Hudson and Nash, um, literally like six months into the ma merger, George Mason dies of like pneumonia mm -hmm. And George Romney, who was his like vice president, becomes president and CEO, and he's only like in his forties, mm. and he's tasked with writing the ship, which is pretty cool. The whole story, you know, I, I won't go into every little dirty detail, but the whole mm -hmm. story of how he did it—I mean, literally, it came down to they. The company was so desperate for cash, they switched the type of toilet paper they had in company. <laughs> they went from—I don't know if you guys. I don't know if any of us are old enough to remember this, but they switched from roll style to sheet style toilet paper. Oh, like a paper towel. Oh yeah. Paper. Yeah. Oh, our elementary cool? school, our elementary school had sheet style toilet paper. It was the creepiest thing ever. It was like, it was like a brown. I'm trying to towel. remember that it might've been when I was in elementary school, my first year of elementary school was like 88. I'm okay. dating myself here. I'd have to think back and, and do the math, but yeah, I think, like you know they, what they had sheets it style been like 89 but it wasn't in every it, it wasn't in every bathroom because the school had an addition onto it in like 19 oh right when i was in first grade they were putting the addition in so that was 1989 1990 and the new bathrooms i think had rolls and the old bathroom which i think there was only one left and it was by the school office and it may have Either they had that or it had both. And I can't right. remember if it was if it's they like just like like sheet metal screwed a toilet paper to roll. The wall, yeah. Or didn't it? 
<laughs> because you know it's it's elementary school, so you can't be trusted with a traditional roll of toilet paper. Right. It's, it's got like you really can it's the, like the a, gigantic industrial thing that tears off, and it's like a fifty-year-old dispenser that says like Kimberly on it. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so West you- there was Westworld, which <laughs> I always thought meant waste world. <laughs> If you if you love corporate history, the story of Kimberly Clark is also fascinating. This isn't a toilet paper podcast, so I, I won't I won't derail. Has someone story. already on YouTube made a documentary on Kimberly Clark? I don't know, but if they haven't, they should. I first learned about it in the book Good to Great. It's like a corporate history book, and uh, the story of Kimberly Clark is fascinating. As one of those, one person said, he's like. You know, he's like, I can't get excited about paper, but I can get excited about diapers. And that was, <laughs> it was their switch from making bulk paper into making consumer products like diapers, toilet paper, Kleenex, mm. that kind of thing that changed the company. And so it was this just that line about the guy being like, I like diapers. It was like, I was like, he it was like some product engineer. Yeah. He's like, I get re-, he's like, I don't get excited about paper. He's like, but a diaper is something you can really sink your teeth into. <laughs> wow. <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically. So, but, but no, so, so we actually interviewed uh, Mitt Romney for a documentary um, and asked him, he's one of the few people left who still remembers his dad, who actually knew his father as in a personal way. And we interviewed Mitt Romney and we drove down to DC and we got like 40 minutes with him and we interviewed him kind of a lot for a guy as busy as him. Yeah. We were really lucky that our, one of my co-producers is much older than me and has written a lot of AMC books and wrote a biography on George Romney. And so he's not like best friends with Mitt, but he was acquaintanced enough that like when he mentioned, he called his secretary and was like, yeah, we can probably squeeze you in. And so. it was probably nice for Mitt to get a break from, or, or to, to talk about his dad. Cause I mean, I imagine he doesn't have many opportunities in a sort of media setting to right, talk yeah. about his father. Yeah, so that's no, probably everything's politics. Stroll down memory lane, you know? Yeah, I think he, I think his dad um, means a lot to him. He had a photo of his dad in his office on one of his shelves and just, you know, I think, um, you know, he's very inspired by his, his father. And so, yeah, it was cool to hear him talk about stuff. He told some funny stories. Um, his dad, in a lot of ways, was like one of the first celebrity CEOs. Because, hmm. um, like, you know, name the CEO of General Motors in 1959. Yeah, like, people in the comments are going to know. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Or, like, name, you know, Henry Ford. Henry Ford is on, yeah. 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 And then you could talk about Iacocca because he was on, he, he starred in his own commercials yeah. right. when he was with Chrysler. And got famous that right. way. He was like Iacocca before Iacocca was Iacocca. I mean, because yeah. George Romney did commercials for American Motors. Oh, did he, did, he? he did speaking tours. There were photos of him in the brochures. And I think, um, so like he really leaned in to being like the voice of the company. And I think he kind of had a preacher vibe to him. And he's like, why do you need to buy more? There's actually videos of him, so I'm impersonating the voice. He's like, why do you need to buy more car than you think you can use? With a Rambler, you get compact economy that today's owner needs. Save mm-hmm. money on gasoline. Don't buy a car that's so big you can't park it in the garage. Mm-hmm. Well, it also felt like during that time, he was one of the few CEOs who actually put their face in front of something so mm-hmm. that you could become that sort of celebrity because you are... I suppose confident enough in your product to be able to stand behind it. Cause at this time, like AMC, like the creation of it was the biggest mer- corporate merger of any kind, not just auto. Right, so yeah, it was cause it's, it's weird. Cause people say AMC is small 
and compared to GM, yes, but compared to any other industry, you know, steel or you know whatever manufacturing. I mean, mm-hmm. AMC was a very large company. They employed at their peak like thirty five thousand people or something. I mean, they were nice. a, a large company. There. Yeah, they were giving out generational work. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, from the time of their merge to their demise, I mean what, 40 years, 30, 40, 35, 40 years, but Mm -hmm. still that's enough time to kind of leave a mark in people's lives such that, you know, they become sort of AMC lifers. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Well, and especially with, with, of the two partners, uh, Nash was definitely the, the senior partner in the marriage. They were the one that, you know, wore the pants as Mm -hmm. the the boomers would say, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, there are people who, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, my dad worked at Nash, my granddad, you know, my dad worked at AMC, my granddad worked at Nash, my granddad worked at, you know, his granddad worked at Nash, and blah, 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 blah. And then my other granddad, it was a Calvinator repairman. Right. And, you know, right. Yeah. Fixing so the, it's, it's a company yeah. that means a lot to a lot of people. And I think that's what's really cool about the, um, I think that's what's really cool about this story. I mean, yeah, I love cars. And cars are fun to talk about. But I think just seeing how much AMC means to people, yeah. the people who worked there, the people whose lives and livelihoods depended on it, it was a, it was a really cool uh, – a real, it was really meaningful to them, and it's meaningful to me to hear those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess I should say at this point, we do have a trailer. If you want to see proof of, of that we're actually doing something, mm-hmm. uh, if you Google the last independent automaker, you can find our trailer and uh, watch it. It's only like two and a half minutes. Yeah. After this podcast wraps, I'm going to post that in the description of this video. Yeah, so remind me, I'll do that as well. If you're series. watching this like after if you're not watching this if it were not live right now check the description and hopefully it's in there like one of us remembered so uh it is very much some oh this question right here as asks do ashtrays and cars make a comeback which sounds like kind of an amc adjacent question Mm -hmm. um or at least from that era of automotive we are we're gonna get vape trays (laughs) i get yeah. I mean, I guess if you have a cartridge USB, storage, if you have a USB plug, that's basically that's for your vape now. Right. That's. The- oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. The, the Nairo doesn't have an ashtray. Uh, it's got a plate that's got wireless charging for your phone. It has the USB that goes into the head unit and then the other one that just charges. None in the back. Nothing. There's no charging ports or anything in the back really? seats. Uh, the back seats get uh, controllable HVAC. Well. They get vents that you can turn on and off. They don't have their own controls in the back. Um, surprising things about the, uh, also about the Niro. Uh, I have a button on my key fob that looks like it opens the trunk, but it doesn't do anything because the trunk is just, a, or the lift gate is just a traditional pop just it. Just struts. Yeah, there's just nothing there. I guess maybe that Maybe would. it unlocks it, but you still have to manually lift it up. We ought to try that. We ought to lock the car. Okay, everything's locked. Press the button. Yeah. And then see if just the just the lift gate unlocks. Because like my key, the lift gate unlocks separately from the doors. It's a hatch, but on my Subaru, the lift gate is this button and the doors are this. And to unlock everything, you hit the door lock twice. That's interesting because my Subaru just had, well, from 04, just had two buttons, lock and unlock. Mm. And that included the hatch. Mm-hmm. So you, you had to hit it twice and that would get your hatch as well. Um, 
We're going to get to some of these super chats. People have been waiting. Oh, sorry. They've been waiting. No, no, no. no, no. no, no, no. We're, they can wait. It's a good conversation. I mean, this uh, is kind of... You, you did yeah. ask about ashtrays. One fun fact, AMZ cars had ball bearings in their ashtrays, and that was like a big selling point at one point. That it opened smoothly? Yeah, I, like, well, well, there was... Like a, yeah, in the 60s, they were one of the people who was doing the ad campaign. They're like, how can we make these cars stand out? And she, so she like went over the entire car with like a fine tooth comb, and she's like, huh, they put ball bearings in their ashtrays. And she's like, we can sell that. <laughs> like... So it was part of a larger ad that was like AMC cars have more care put into them, you know, a larger mm. battery and more hip room and ball bearings in the ashtray. And, you know, yeah, it was kind of the sum of its parts was kind of the message. I wonder what that would have been like in the sort of like 60s and 70s, like Mad Men era where just it was just smoking everywhere. I, oh, yeah. It's crazy, man. I don't know how people not, yeah. did it. It's kind of like how I guess, but that's more of like like an L.A. or Philly thing. Notice how I didn't even say New York. <laughs> it's like you, you go into places, you, you walk outside and there's just weed smell. And it's oh, like, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. But people are still getting stuff done. Um, But like people, were, I guess, were athletic in the 70s where people just smoked all the time. It's like weird. Everybody just had malnutrition and that's why they were skinny. Uh, like they were, they were just eating white bread. But like they would only eat one sandwich instead of six. Gotcha. <laughs> That's my conspiracy theory on how everybody stayed thin. Yeah. It's just white bread and liquor. <laughs> but, but, but they only had one serving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the oldest to... man in New York, he reached 109, which he swears on a weekly diet of lard on toast and a full gallon of Thunderbird wine a week. Did Lewis Black mention that in one of his bits? He might have. Yeah. No, the, yeah, I think that's how I know it is. Mm -hmm. It was a Lewis Black uh, he brought it up. Well, it's like funny if you ever see a, a car at a car show, like somebody doing the winga dinga drive in burger restaurant thing, and it has like a vintage McDonald's cup. A yeah. McDonald's soda was like, yeah, six ounces. Yeah. You know, and now the small at McDonald's is like 18 ounces. Yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> so part of it, I think, is just people just ate less. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, car foolery. Uh, oh, already, already answered. Answer. Got yeah. one. Okay. Again, car foolery. Did you ever drive the stick shift S197 giveaway car? Um, I believe I did for a hot second, mm -hmm. like around the the our filming lot. Um, just to kind of get a feel for what it could do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was interesting. Um, oh, oh, what was the rest of the question? Mm. If, if so, did it make, make you want a V8 Mustang in the future? You, uh, do you like, I mean, I did like it. I, I don't even know what I want in the future, really. Um, if I want to stay with a Mustang or if I want to branch out, I mean, unfortunately I like, I'm at a point where I got to make Betty last as long as humanly possible, which is kind of a bit of a turnaround from the start of the year where I'm like, well, maybe this is like the last year for Betty. But now it's like, there's really no reason to throw the baby with the bath water yet or throw the baby out with the bathwater i think so it's like at one point on one hand she's worth more now than she ever has been yeah. but then replacing her is going to cost more than that ever would yeah so. and it's like she's not in the most like spring chicken condition at the moment i mean she's not like falling apart or anything it's just it is a nearly 20 year old car and so there there are going to be like little things that accumulate over time and also i live in a place that essentially like 
Rex suspension. Well, I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's kind of a that's Pennsylvania. It's Pennsylvania. It's what are you going to do? So Just don't drive down that road where that car show is that has all the potholes. That has all the potholes. Well, I mean, PennDOT paved the road now, so now it's like smooth as silk mm. riding on that thing, which just goes to show you that if PennDOT gets a, if people get on PennDOT about something, they will pave it or they will do the thing and not take seven months to fix a road, or at least that's the sort of implication that i arrived at that if enough of the old men who want to get to a car show but don't want to wreck the suspension of their classic car of their like chevelle or whatever they want to be right. able to drive that road and will get on that business like if if the president has to drive over this bridge at the end of the month they'll finish the bridge in a month kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah definitely uh boris boris wouldn't be a podcast without you. You passed your CDL test. Hey, have some celebratory cash. By, by the way, love Monday's video. Thanks. Thank you. If you like Monday's video, you're going to like next Monday's video because it's a little bit of change in the format in the beginning. You know, I don't want to mess with the format too much, but I'm not going to spoil it. And after this, I'll show Joe like we found this little artifact from this car and it was very nice. And it's something that doesn't happen anymore. And it's very good because the car is a piece of shit. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a terrible car that was expensive. See, this is the stuff I love. Mm. Terrible car, poorly marketed, complete failure, very expensive and a gigantic hype train behind it. Yes. Mm. Um, now I'm really starting to wonder what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a car we haven't done yet. And, uh, uh, people have been asking for this. Car Foolery says, Brian, now that you've relived the 90s in the Sarah, do you feel like you're even less likely to ever own an SW20? Yes. The only SW20 I'd ever want to own is one that Justin Burnash built, one of the prime built ones that has the Caldina uh, uh, Gen 4 3S GTE in the back uh, with the big turbo and the tune and 300 or 350 wheel horsepower and shoo -doo 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 all day long. So do I feel less nostalgic about 90s cars? No, I don't. I still love them. But I've been 90s outed. I'm 90s out for a while. I, like, I drive a third-gen Toyota 4Runner as my daily. Even though it's the year 2000. I mean, the car was built in 96 and ended in 02. So it's a 96 design. They didn't. Yeah. The only stuff they really changed about the 4Runner was in like 98 or something. There was an interior refresh where they finally put bigger cup holders in to your point. Like the old ones were like the old ones from the Toyota pickup or as other people know, uh, the Toyota Hilux, um, which was that Toyota push it in. It, it comes out on the top yeah, of the yeah, dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great for a tiny cup with great, a lid. Great, great for a soda can. Yeah. Everything else falls out. So then they finally put them down by the center console. And then I think in 2001, they did the exterior refresh refresh where the Chrome bumpers went away. It, um, that was getting looking really dated in the early 2000s and nothing had nothing was allowed to have chrome it all had to be body color yep yep <laughs> body color the whole car and added that hood scoop that doesn't do anything um so mine is pre pre facelift post interior refresh so that gets me my 90s feel of just rugged toyota and everything's analog and the most sophisticated thing about the car is probably just the engineering of 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 the engine and also the well-built uh, transfer cage. Um, and also, I don't have, like, I, I like the big fatty, fatty tires that are on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, what, 16-inch wheels? 
and like huge rubber on this thing. And that's just how they came terrible handling, but you just, I just hit, <laughs> I hit, I hit speed bumps at full speed. You're just, right. oh, 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 oh. just, I don't but, care. Drive off road, <laughs> drive back on run. Um, so no, I'm still very nostalgic about nineties cars. Um, but they need 21st century tech to make them move like you think they do. Mm. Um, so, um, and right now I'm, since I have my EV, you know, this is the antithesis of all the things I've had. I mean, we have a usually a something fast every week for the giveaways. So that's how I get my kicks now with high performance stuff. I don't need to be, I don't need to be stimulated all the time. Now I want something unstimulating and uncar like. Here's my the, the funny thing is what the the Niro EV is something like 275 pound feet of torque. And that's what my Falcon had 300. So, and that <laughs> right. was out of a five liter V8. Right, I'm like, yeah. oh, and this thing's, although it's probably heavier well, than, yeah. than, than the Falcon. But, um, and I'll cover this in the video when we, when we finally talk about the Nairo, is that, am, oh, are you going to get your money back? No, I'm not. I'm never going to break even on filling this, filling it up with electricity. But what I am, what I am purchasing with my money is not having to deal with you people all the time at the gas stations <laughs> and your stupid stickers that you put on the gas pumps and old boomers who just want to have a conversation with me at the pumps and like assault me with politic, political talk because they know I'm a captive audience and I can't leave. So um, and going inside the gas station when I pay with cash, with hiker money and just having to wait mm. suddenly the idea and, and, and this is echoed by, uh, I think he even said this last week, uh, from, uh, what, technology connections that he was surprised how annoyed he was when he was driving a gas car. Like I have to go somewhere. <laughs> the fuck is this? <laughs> I have to detour to because, you know, he, he put in his 220 in the garage. So now, like, every time I drive it up, it's like at 80% or 90%. I just don't go to a gas station ever. And so, and true to that point, I now visit a gas station about once a week. Mm. And, and now this is during the summer. Um, during the winter, it was probably like that when I was driving. Not quite as much. But now with picking up hikers, uh, before the EV, I was spending about $20 a day in fuel. Um, just running around picking them up. Now that was, of course, making a profit. But what? Um, so, so if I was doing ten a month, that's three hundred dollars. But I'm spending six hundred dollars a month on right. Am I doing the math right? Well, hang on. How much did you say it was? I lost twenty dollars. Right? Like if during the bubble. Like yeah. during right now, when the hikers go through, I will, if I'm using the forerunner, I'll burn through $20 of fuel a day. A day? Bang. A day. Okay. So 20 times, what are you doing? Like 25 days? Of, how many days? Do you, every day. Every day. So third to 20 yeah. times 30. Dude, $600. 600 bucks of gas. Dang. Yeah. Damn. Run like forerunner, 50 miles a gallon. Yeah. Really? But you know, you can pick up hikers, you can drive up the trails and stuff like that. But now I will use the Niro and I'll charge the same. Well, I'll charge less. I, I will I will undercut the other shuttle drivers because I can. 
a shuttle drive that would have been $30 is now $20 for them. Um, and it's like $3 for me. And I get them to the trail and back faster, honestly, because I'm just rocketing up these hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if it's like a whole bunch of hikers with like smelly packs and stuff, then that's obviously they're going to get the forerunner. Yeah, I'm going to all the windows down, sunroof open and back glass all the way down because <laughs> holy crap. I mean, we're getting into the dog days. Of, we're here in the dog days of summer and these hikers smell like death. Mm. Um, what if it's raining? Then they smell even worse because now they can't. Yeah, that now funk, that they got the funk on them. Yeah, they the, the if they're like today is not going to be too bad. If they're been if they're standing out on the side of the road in the sun for a while, most of that sweat will evaporate off of them, and they'll get some UV and start making their packs not stink. But when it's you know uh, later next week, we're going to get thunderstorms, and it's not going to be all that cooler. So they're going to be wet. Right. And rain, rain like makes you sweat more when your shirt's wet because it won't Ugh. evaporate. And so you sweat more, more and then you get wetter and then you go, oh. Well, I just mean in regards to like, what do you do if it's raining and you can't really open the back glass and the sunroof? Uh, well, then the air conditioner goes on and uh, you just have to deal with it. And mm. then when I get back, the entire car gets sp inside the car gets sprayed down with a GP cleaner, lavender scented GP cleaner. Um, has a degreasing agent and that's what I watch from some sort of, uh, uh, auto detailing. It's like, they legitimately just use this in a drill brush and you got to get the bacteria out of your upholstery. Now they're sitting on towels, towels immediately leave and they go in the wash. So, um, what's a good way to describe how they smell? It's like, you want to say like middle school locker room in the nineties and kids who are afraid to shower because that makes them gay. And of course, I'm talking in '90s terms. Like no one, no one showered. Oh my god, I wouldn't shower. It would freak me out. And then uh, my buddy Derek at the time was like, "It's not a big deal, dude. It's literally just guys go in there, they shower, just, just, dude, it's fine." But I was just like, "You don't want to be the first one if somebody I else don't be... goes in." Then you're like, "Okay." Yeah, well, I remember in the '90s in high school, <laughs> there was one guy who showered, and everybody called him a fag. And like, yeah. everyone else just sprayed themselves down with deodorant. Axe body spray. Well, that was a 2000s thing. Yeah, so this would have been like brute or something like that. <laughs> That's why people in the 70s wore so much cologne because nothing had air conditioning <laughs> and they all wore polyester. Hell yeah. But people must have just stank. Ugh. You ever see like pictures of like stuff like the, like the, not Maury Povich, like what are, it's older ones, like. What, like Donahue? Yeah, stuff like that. And we're talking like 19, uh, older than that, or, 72. So that would have been like uh, Dick Cavett show or something. Oh, like Dick that, Cavett show. Where everybody just looks greasy. Like, yes. like men in the 70s, they all looked 40, no matter what. They had like lines yeah. and stuff. And I guess they wouldn't wear TV makeup. I guess right. that's the old, the old the Arn Anderson syndrome. Between the tobacco and the booze, everybody looked like they were, you know, they just looked old. It's like, yeah. It's like, and now, or now we have a young comedian, he's 29, he comes out and he looks like he's 50. <laughs> yeah. You know, but of course now, you know, every man on TV that's over like 40 has, you know, their hair done up and makeup. Yeah. And their hair's dyed or else they've got plugs or whatever. And, and probably know, fitness has a thing to do with it. That's do you true, remember yeah. seeing pictures of like Iacocca when he was doing like the 56 for 56 or 57 for 57? Was a fifty-eight for fifty-eight? That when he started the idea of leasing a car. I wanted to say fifty-three for fifty-three, but now I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> but you. Uh, but he was like in his early twenties or something like that, and he looks forty-nine. Yeah, it's, it's so just wild. it's just look. He looks older than me. Right. I mean, yeah, he had more hair, but it was just sort of that. 
pumpkin face and like I got I, I gotta look up. You like, just like you look at that, and that's a man with a mortgage. Like yeah, but he's in his twenty. Well, I mean, it's like the classic '80s wrestling thing of like all the heartthrobs back then look like they were thirty-five, but they're like twenty-four. It's like well, and the the funny thing is when you have certain actors who have been fifty-five for thirty years. Yeah, you know, like they they like they started acting in the '80s and they already look like they were 55, and then like just through like the '80s into the '90s into 2000, they look the same yeah. because like makeup starts getting better, plastic surgery starts getting better, and so they just keep the same look for 30 years. I mean, I think like there's some people. I don't know what year that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Ford, right? He's standing next to a. He Ford. looks like Roy right. Campbell from Metal Gear Solid. There's he um, does. <laughs> This is why we need a producer, so you can see what we're seeing. Yeah, um, we need and a we will, to throw that up, and yeah. we will. There was uh, these are old ones, but again, it's hard to. Have Have you guys ever seen the commercial that Iacocca did with Snoop Dogg in the early? 2000s? I did. I saw that one. No, That's wild. for for I don't know if it was a PT Cruiser. Or it was like it was the early two thousands, or I like think a it, Sebring or something. It was something like that. It was like in that general vicinity of you know we're trying to give you something that the like, youth, oh, yeah, the youth. To, so that so sure is a picture as the, as the story goes, um, you know, Iacocca's slogan was always, if you can find a better car, buy, buy it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So Snoop has his Snoopified version where he goes, if the ride is more fly, you must buy. And then like the camera pans over to Iacocca and he goes, that's what I hear. And then like, I is think Snoop also like a big golfer now or am I, I don't know. Something like else? Snoop has diversified his hobbies, his, his brand he's in he's all over the place he's, is he 70 now oh no he's uh, let's see was he 60 mm-hmm. anyway pass my cdl test car who says brian now you live oh yeah, i answered that question yeah how old is say how many he is 50 oh okay so he'll be looking like he's he'll be looking like he's forty for another twenty years, probably. Like Lance, oh, so there Reddick. literally is no other super chats, not yet. But right. there is a regular chat question in there to the effect of, um, where oh, did it go? God. Here, what kind of impact will cars and bids have on the car market in the next few years? I'm from Germany, so I have an idea. Hmm. Well, Doug was posting about how. The prices are uh, correcting themselves a and bit. Pe- and people are mad. Sellers are like, can't accept reality. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we will. I am pop. On... See, I'm correcting myself like every single time. I think the idea of a barn find will be a thing of the past Mm. because as everybody is, the more people are connected with auto prices and used prices and the more uh, people can compare what cars are truly selling for. Um, Your only hope for true bargains is finding fools. Mm. or finding people who don't care i want it gone right the the idea of the little old lady who just drove into church on sundays kind yeah. of thing is going to be a thing of the past on the other hand uh 
it takes work to put a car up, even on cars and bids. They you there is no lying anymore. Anything you say, you have to prove. And if you can't prove it, uh, cars and bids will say the owner claims right. that, and they won't let you state things for an actual fact unless you can prove it on paper. So there is more. The consumer has now proof of the claims from the owner, uh, whereas before you had to read in between the lines of ads to find out if the owner is lying. Little things like um, if the car is being, if the car's license plate is being shushed then that person is a little dumb because your people see your license plate every day. That's kind of funny. With the, the thumb thing. The, the thumb, thumb. Like, thing, who, yeah. what, what are you doing? Who cares? Well, I'm protecting it. All right. Then you, the price is going. Like, if I see a car and it's being shushed, automatically $200 comes off my offer. Because mm -hmm. um, if, if you're too lazy, like, if you really want to hide the plate and make it look tasteful, you'd use at least Microsoft Paint and just cover it up with a nice little square or but you're too lazy to even do that right take a screwdriver take the plate off take the plate off put a microfiber over it at least then you're not streisand affecting it yeah when you do the thing with the when you have like your oil covered thumb over yeah the plate. if you're so lazy to do that what other things have you been lazy about with the car that's what i'm thinking yeah yeah yes. um if you can't rotate the picture Oh, if the picture okay. of the car is vertical and I'm looking at it like this in the face, and this is usually Facebook marketplace. So Facebook or, or mark if the photos, a screenshot. Yeah. It has yeah. Like black bars on it. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a copy of something else. Yeah. Or a picture of your computer screen. Yes. That's the best one. Okay. This is probably a bargain. This is going to be something wrong with the car, but I can probably get this for a good price. So yeah. Um, so uh, cars and bids democratized, democratized um, selling. Um, and it also allows sellers to, uh, to find committed owners. Yeah. So I've ever since, you know, bring a trailer in this, I have not sold a car privately ever with the exception of Goldie, which I, that was a friend deal. That was a friend deal. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, I'm happy that it exists. And it's also great entertainment for me when I'm like winding down at the end of the night and say, oh, what's here? What's here? Um, I did find it a little bit insidious of dealers who immediately went during the big time shortages, stuff like Rivian's, uh, mm. Ford F-150 Lightning's, uh, Ram TRX's, uh, Hummer, EVs. Uh, those they started listing them on cars and bids? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that cars and bids was only a certain year and below certain year and above and above oh nothing, uh, nothing yeah. older than 1980 all right I, but they'll do modern stuff yeah mm. yeah um so knowing that they can still take orders and their one allotment they can probably put it up whether they were up for no i think they 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 put it up for just some price and uh since cars and bids is free if they don't make it then certain that's where you see things going for like fifty thousand dollars over sticker yeah. And then it, it's from a dealership. So 
What um, do, you, uh, do you think that stuff like cars and bids has an impact on the price of face? Does it trickle down to Facebook marketplace? So, you know, your, perhaps. Your, your Facebook guy sees that somebody's civic sold for 50 grand. So he's like, I bet I can get 50 grand for my civic. Perhaps. Yeah. It's, but, it's got a manual stick. But then you see, you see some outrageous price on Facebook marketplace and you're like, all right, no. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Everything's oh, price is one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. And then the real price is in there. That's the thing I like. I like the best, the best, the best car ads are the ones that say no reserve. And every <laughs> ones I've sold, I put up no reserve. And I keep saying all balls. Like that's someone who's got something, they're confident in it. They have nothing to prove. Yeah. Let the market do what it wants. I, I like you. Wasn't Tony's beat no reserve? Uh, I think I, I think I pressured him into putting up no reserve, yeah. and and he still made like still, five thousand yeah. dollars on that car or something. Yeah, yeah, he was he was happy with that price. Already he wants a Renault. Uh, yeah, that that family thing that Top Gear did. What was it? Oh. Renault. Uh, uh, not the space. A Fiat Multipla. That's what. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once that thing's like, yeah, this is gonna be freaking cool. Uh, Austin Bowers says, first time catching one of these things live. Love the channel. Thank you. Thoughts on buying a car your freshman year of college? You're a fucking idiot. Here is some ele electrician money. Thank you. Thank you for the money. Don't buy a car freshman year in college. You're in college to learn, not to drive. Whatever you're driving, you're driving. There'll be plenty of times to buy something nice when you're done you have a career. Uh, yeah, plus, no. Plus, it's fun to stay at college because there's stuff that happens there. Yeah. Now, what are you going to drive home for? That's yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, it, well, the way I grew up driving home meant I had to come help my dad on the farm. So mm -hmm. like I was always looking for excuses to say it, stay at school. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I got to study. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. No, don't buy a car in college. Yeah. You're, you're not a, a college is for leveling up your skills. Now, unless you're at a trade school, like where you're working on cars, a car like that. Um, yeah, really. Uh, now looking back, my, having the car there was kind of useful. I mean, it would go home on the weekends. Well, if you already have a car, then fine. But if you're buying a new car just for college, that I wouldn't advise that. But like if you have some beater that you can drive to sheets at 3 a.m. and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's nice to have wheels at college. Yeah. Um, but I would not buy a new car just to go to college or a new used car just to go to college. Because like college, you're hauling around friends and you know, people are, you know, your car gets scratched. It sits outside the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's everything's covered in like pine needles and bird droppings. And, you know, and then, yeah. you know, people open their car doors in India. So like oh, yeah, taking a nice car to college is not the way to go. Yeah. Looking back, there was no real reason for me to have my Dodge Neon at school. Um, I would go home and wash my clothes and eat food. And cause, um, my clothes would get cleaner at home than they would in like the coin op one in the really? basement of the dorm. Um, and I, <laughs> and I didn't need it for work cause I worked on campus. So, uh, all I was doing is just burning up, uh, burning up cash, like driving around. And we had a kid set fire to the washing machine in our dorm because he overfilled it. Oh. The, the belt caught fire. <laughs> it didn't like burn, didn't like burn down the dorm or anything, but he literally like filled it up to the lid, packed it down, and put more clothes on top of that. And like the drum was so full it couldn't spin. And so the belt on the motor just caught fire. <laughs> Trying to do four months worth of laundry in <laughs> right, one load. Right, exactly. We, I I 
for college, I, I took a bus everywhere because Penn State has a wonderful transit system in the sense that, you know, you just scan your little card thing and you're good to go and it'll take you wherever you need. And then I'd hop the Greyhound back home because luckily I live in a town where the bus drops you off like right near where, you know, my house was or my mom's house was. And so uh, ultimately it's the type of um, feeling of never really feeling like you needed a car. And on top of that, like I was broke, I couldn't afford a car. I couldn't really drive at the time because of the pills I was on. Like uh, it's just a whole thing where it's not recommended to operate machinery. And so the whole time I was just like not even feeling necessarily like I was missing out because everything was in walking distance. And in a way it in compels you to stay in better shape because mm. uh, you're constantly walking everywhere. And uh, you know, right. half, half the time you're not even necessarily having to go that far. You know, if I had to get groceries or something, there were stores around the corner and everything. Right. So I don't know. I was very lucky in that regard. So mm-hmm. I had a very friend lucky. who would drive across campus because he didn't want to walk. There <laughs> were those guys. Yeah. Kutztown, like Lido Hall's too far. And then they'd get tickets and they'd be like, I got a ticket. And it's like, well, it says no student parking. parking. Yeah, you need the, you, you would get a parking pass for a specific lot. Right. Oh, and then yeah, I didn't know that it was based it was based on how many credits you had. Well, so then, if you're a freshman, you're parking in the fairgrounds lot, and it takes like half an hour to walk to your car. Oh, so and then you can park at this lot, and then as you get more, you can get and, and eventually get I could eventually I could park behind the dorm, and now that was pretty nice. Um, no, that that's really funny. Yeah, like he would be like, I don't want to walk to class, and so he'd drive his truck like you know literally a quarter of a mile. To get to class, and then he'd get a ticket, and then he'd be mad. And like, it's like, what do you want me? What am I supposed to do with this right here? It's like, yeah. I, I don't know. You, you know, people they kind of, I think cars are viewed too often as a uh, sort of a way to cut the Gordian knot, rather than trying to find, rather than to just it's something there to make life easier when you need it to make life yeah. easier. Like, yes, it's also there to enjoy it, but also. I feel like the primary function make make travel happen. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, if you're going a quarter of a mile, I mean, for crying out loud, just walk. Yeah, for me, having the car having the car on campus was uh, symbolic of me being free, mm. uh, freedom from I can leave whenever I want, and of course, I hardly ever did. Um, but not having to rely on my parents when I wanted to come home, um, and that was a huge deal of. Um, not being under dad's McCarthy type eye. Um, now that's coming from a military household. So Navy dad always wanted to know what's up, always observing and letting you know he's on watching you. Mm-hmm. And so I like the idea, like if I want to, I can go visit people and I don't, I can be off the radar. Right. I can leave. And I would from time to time visit friends at other campuses. I would drive time and time my buddy was going to john hopkins so i would drive down to baltimore for some time to go visit tom or some other people were out in allentown so i could go visit them um i feel uh sad and i mentioned this on podcast before like going like i was in kutztown in the early 2000s and uh i knew that the bieber ran the bus to yeah. manhattan and thinking i could have gone to the cellar at any time i wanted and I probably would have caught like Patrice O'Neill 
or uh, David Tell. Actually, no, David Tell was doing uh, Insomniac, Insomniac, so he wouldn't have been there. But seeing all these legendary comedians who weren't really known that well, they were just there. And I could have just gone buy a ticket and then catch the late bus at like 1130 back to campus and had a fun time. And I never did that. Um, yeah, but that would require you to be now or to have been then who you are now. Right. Be confident enough to realize that Manhattan's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been going for an hour and 20 minutes here. Dang. And I'm yeah. getting hot. Uh, it is hot. And yeah. You guys got a narrow to drive. Yeah, we do. It's going so, be nice. uh, thank you so much, uh, for everybody who's watched, uh, the podcast. Thank you to everybody who donates to the Patreon. You're allowing regular car views to a function as a much larger channel than it really is. Thank you to everybody, uh, who donated to super chats. Uh, and, um, thank you to Joe Ligo for joining thank us you. from auto moments. Once again, plug your stuff. Tell us about the documentary. Yeah. So if you like AMCs like this ad that has mm. a guy skiing with an AMC Eagle, mm -hmm. you know, you like skis. Uh, <laughs> yep. if you like amcs check out the last independent automaker just google it there's a trailer there's a website and there's a gofundme so if uh, you're interested in helping us preserve automotive history check that out uh, we appreciate your support but definitely if nothing else watch the trailer just because it's cool to see all these people talk about how much this company meant to them mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's not just about the cars it mm -hmm. it was lives and livelihoods that were changed by working there and uh it's re it's even been eye-opening to me to, when you talk to people who actually build cars, it's uh, it's a it, it's an aspect of the enthusiast world we don't often get to hear about, and so that's really cool to hear people tell those stories. And I hope I can do their stories justice. Nice, very nicely spoken. Oh, well, thank nicely. You. Mm -hmm. but thank you guys for having me. By the way, I want to make sure I thank. Oh yeah, thank welcome you guys for your it's been hospitality. Absolute, welcome I'm adding time. The, the trailer to the description. description. Excellent. Alrighty. Thanks guys for watching and see you in the next. Take Bye. care, everyone.